Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The V8s become an international category. Sponsors announce their plans. Murphy and Dumbrell contemplate their futures. And the series looks to extend their time on the Apple Isle. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. Speculation on James Courtney's future continues this week with Alan Gow, Courtney's manager, eventually making a statement that the championship leader is not looking to move from Jim Beam Racing in 2011. The statement read, Whilst it's very flattering that the media are speculating so much over James's future, I can categorically state that he, we, have not signed any contract or agreement for James to drive for any other team or manufacturer next year. None, zip, nil, zero, Gal said. Let me be very clear on this. James is contracted to Dick Johnson Racing and is the only contract or agreement in existence for him to drive in the V8 Supercars Championship. I really can't put it any more plain than that. Of course, this announcement followed speculations in News Limited papers that Courtney was already talking with HRT to take the vacant spot left by Will Davison. Another man who's on the move? Well, it's Greg Murphy. Paul Morris Motorsport has lost its Edge Castrol sponsorship and the 51 Commodore driven by Murphy, with Murphy announcing that he'll be leaving the team at the end of the season. Um, you know, Castrol decided to uh, go a different direction and uh, I'm also announcing that, you know, I'm going to do the same thing for 2011. I'm not sure what that is at this stage. Um, obviously hoping for uh, a good full-time drive, um, but they are, they, at the moment that's up in the air. But in the meantime, you know, um, the team's still uh, working extremely hard, as they have all year, um, and we've got three races to go to, to finish the season. So we're committed to that and, you know, absolutely want to try and finish um, the year uh, with, with a high if we can. Trading Post has confirmed that they will be joining FPR in 2011 as major sponsor of the number six Falcon, expected to be driven by Will Davison when his defection from HRT is completed. This leaves Stephen Richards without a confirmed ride. It is expected that he'll slot into the Rod Nash racing car if Paul Dumbrell confirms that he'll be pursuing business career as CEO of automotive brands over his motor racing career. In other sponsors' news now, and it looks like Wilson Security Racing is moving on from Stone Brothers Racing, last year it was rumoured that Wilson would be joining Bright at Brad Jones Racing. Could that be on the cards one year later? Also, PepsiCo have announced they'll be joining the V8 Supercars, with Coca-Cola Amatil taking the non-alcoholic beverage pouring rights. PepsiCo are looking to uh, guerrilla market their way over the top of that sponsorship deal. 
And with Tassie on the calendar this weekend, Cole Hitchcock says the ongoing discussions to ensure it remains on the calendar is just focused more highly when that contract comes to an end. There's a great will between us and the Tasmanian government to keep going there because there are great benefits for us nationally and we love going to Tasmania and there are great benefits for the state uh, in terms of exposure and, and uh, you know, the things that we can help them generate. Todd Kelly is looking forward to getting back to the 59 seconds lapse of Simmons Plains. Yeah, I, I really love that little joint. It's um, not a huge track, not a, a massively technical track with changing grip levels and bits and pieces, but it's just a real good little joint to drive around. Um, the braking into the hairpin and the hairpin itself, um, there's some real good fast corners. The, the big sweep around the back is a bit of a buzz, especially in the wet. And coming onto the straight, the cars look awesome when you watch them from the pit wall. It's just a real good little joint, so uh, can't wait to get there and see how the car goes. For Rick Kelly, he understands the championship battle that's going on in front of him, and is mindful of it, but doesn't want it to affect his race. I mean, I'm not going to be a driver that goes out there and says that they should worry because I want to win races and they should get out of my way because I've got a championship to worry about. I was in that position myself a few years ago and, um, you know, you certainly remember the drivers that, that race you fairly and the drivers that are, that are less than ideal about the whole situation. And for me, you know, those guys have done a great job to get in that position and um, I'm going to go out there and do my job as best I can and make sure I don't interrupt what they're doing because they've done a great job and they've got a great battle ahead of them and that's, you know, that's important for our category. V8 supercars have received FIA confirmation that they are now an international motorsport category. The V8 insiders asked Cole Hitchcock what that means for the sport. just gives us a little bit more flexibility in terms of calendar as uh, overall and um, when we have all of these countries approaching us as we do, you know, we can look at them with, with more open eyes and try to, uh, you know, evaluate them on a, on a case-by-case basis. With the new calendar announced, has V8 Supercars been happy with the feedback they have been receiving so far from teams, sponsors and supporters? Cole Hitchcock again. I haven't heard many negatives personally. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a much better calendar. We've closed the closed that gap in the middle of the year um, which is warmly accepted uh, we you know made sure that we returned to Perth which is something that was vital for us and, and vital for the people of WA so when will we hear about the soft tire rounds for 2011 oh that's a, that's a work in progress I'd say in the new year um, the, the board and the operations people uh, have probably made decisions on that uh, it's a, that's probably an issue of watch this space at the moment speed channel launched this week Cole Hitchcock talked about what opportunities that it offers the series we've got a great relationship with the boys from Fox and Speed and we've been talking to them for several months about adding content to their network I guess you know that's something yeah it gives us great um, great latitude in terms of other content and it gives them great latitude as well to fill their content. Back at Jim Beam Racing and Nathan Tinkler will not be buying the team. The mining magnate has released a statement which said Nathan Tickler is not proceeding with the acquisition of a share in Dick Johnson's V8 team and wishes the team every success in the future. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Grant Rowley and Peter Norton will be along. Then later we speak to Mark Larkham on keeping the V8 supercar history alive. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. 
showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us from Inside Motorsport, it's Peter Norton. And from Speed Cafe, it's Grant Rowley. Good evening, fellas. Hello there, Craig. G'day. Thanks for having me. Guys, uh, it's been an interesting week as we head into Townsville and V8 Supercars PR department couldn't be happier with the way this season's ending up. A close championship, dramas at the championship leaders' team and sponsors flying left, right and centre and for the most part they're staying with the sport in some capacity, Grant. It's uh, certainly been an interesting week. Yeah, it has been an interesting week, a huge week. Uh, as you say, V8s would be reasonably happy with the way that uh, the championship is unfolding to, uh, you know, class acts, two young guys, um, a, a reigning champion and, and potentially a, a new champion, one from Ford, one from Holden. Um, both, neither neither of them really um, uh, get along like uh, houses on fire. So, um, you know, a little bit of tension, a little bit of rivalry there as well. Um so, you know, in, in terms of that, that's, um, that's all working out pretty well and hopefully it stays alive right until the death, right until we get to Sydney so we can have a genuine uh, grand final. Uh, and then, look, as you say, um, plenty of other stuff going on as well in, in news land with uh, sponsors leaving, sponsors going, and um, uh, it's all happening. I mm. love it. Well, by Tuesday lunchtime, Peter, we knew that Castro wasn't going to stay with Paul Morris and we knew that Trading Post had confirmed that they're going to be on the number six FPR car, which we expect by the end of the year will be Will Davison's new ride. Yes, uh, some big changes there. Uh, I very incorrectly said to someone a few months ago that uh, uh, the upcoming silly season would have to be a, a quiet one because uh, we thought there was a whole lot of stability after last year's big silly season. Uh, how wrong was I? Uh, all sorts of things happening. A lot of corporate uh, shenanigans moving things around. Uh, it does make it fascinating. And I was just pondering there a, a moment ago, uh, you know, we love the sport, we love the racing. But uh, we also get quite caught up in the, uh, in the sponsors and the corporate stuff. Uh, just that, that extra element that uh, is fascinating with motorsport, isn't it? And it is, Grant, the one thing that makes the sport go around. Without the money, there is no motorsport. Uh, exactly. And I think teams, drivers and media alike need to uh, be very careful with, um, with the way that we do treat the sponsors because... Uh, look, unfortunately, if there is no dough there, there's uh, there's no cars, and we're we're pretty fortunate that we've got 29 very competitive touring cars buzzing around, um, uh, like we say it all the time. But I don't think sometimes we truly understand that it is we do have uh, the, the best touring car championship in the world uh, right in our own backyard here, uh, and um, you know a, a large part of that is because of the um, the, the, the great sponsorships that we have. Up and down, up and down the pit lane there. So um, I, I don't know. In some ways, um, I don't know the uh, inner workings of some of the, um, the, the the switches that we're setting. For example, the, 
the trading post uh, going from BJR to to FPR, whether it's been poached or uh, whatever the case. But um, you know, we know we don't. I guess we don't really want to see too many of that. I guess we'd rather see a new entity brought in. Uh, rather than that happen. But look, uh, at the end of the day, as long as they stay in the sport, that's uh, kind of what we need the most. Mm. Now, the big thing, though, is when we talk about the Castrol deal, Castrol's deal to go with Paul Morris Motorsport was quite controversial in its own right last year because uh, Castrol and Ford have had a very long-established relationship, particularly in the automotive market where at the moment, all new Fords around the world come out with castor oil, oil in the car standard, and that is a, a very profitable business and a very profitable um, uh, ma- uh, arrangement for the oil company uh, in itself, Peter. Well, absolutely. The, the, the first pouring rights, I think they call it, um, you know, the first oil that's poured in that car, the chances are that the, uh, the new owner will continue to use that oil, that they'll feel some sort of connection with that. And then in particular, if the, uh, uh, the Ford dealers uh, have also signed up to use that kind of lubricant, um, there's a whole lot of volume that goes through. So very important sort of structural changes or structural arrangements uh, that go into place to make a, an oil company tick. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was quite uh, surprising to see Castrol move away from Ford sponsorship of cars uh, going towards uh, Paul Morris's team and... Uh, so it does become quite fascinating then uh, you know, about... It's almost days of our lives, isn't it? All of the uh, happenings behind the scenes of the, of the sport. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that aspect of it. I find it fascinating the, of how people uh, uh, attract a sponsor, how they retain it, um, the sort of uh, funny little sensitivities and personalities involved in losing it. And then, as you were saying, Craig, the, the global uh, pressures that can sometimes come to bear that, that override any local deals. Mm. And, Grant, of course, we see a similar thing with tyres on cars where Holden has a very good arrangement with Bridgestone at the moment. Ford, for a long time, has used Dunlop tyres and uh, perhaps that comes uh, back in some of the comments made from time to time about our control tyre in V8 supercars. Um, uh, look, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. But um, I guess uh, the beauty of the control tyre is that uh, you kind of you get what you're given them, and uh, I don't think any of the uh, Holden guys can can whinge too much. Although they have been whinging about uh, various teams have whinged about uh, not having the right tyres uh, on um, on their cars this year. But um, I guess that's a total story. Mm, it's not quite the business of V8 supercars and sponsorship, but it is interesting. We're going to see then a small hole left with Jason Bright's car, currently unsponsored for 2011. Grant, where do you think the money's going to come from there? Wow. Uh, look, not sure. I guess at this stage it's anyone's guess. The, uh, the, the crazy thing is that there's still... Um, not just uh, the, the stickers on the side of the British number 14 car, but there's a lot of uh, bits and pieces that aren't quite in place for 2011. And look, I think, you know, um, we're less than three months, two and a half months away from teams unveiling their liveries for, um, for the new season at Eastern Creek for the, for the uh, compulsory test session there. So um, not a lot of time to... Um, to sort out their uh, sort out their stuff and get it all ready, get, a, get them back up to Sydney for, for that opening test. It'll be interesting. It'll be, uh, 
I would imagine that uh, a lot of the um, uh, goings on for the certainly for the silly season will unfold at uh, Simmons Plains this weekend, uh, and some of the other sponsor stuff won't follow uh, too far behind that because they've uh, they've really got uh, they're really pushing they're pushing the time now to uh, to get things sorted and move into the new year. Now, we need to take a break, but there's plenty more on the other side to talk about with the Dick Johnson deal looking like uh, status quo will stay. And also, what's James Courtney going to do? We'll talk about that right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Grant Rowley from Speed Cafe and Peter Norton from Inside Motorsport joining me, Craig Ravel. And guys, uh, I, before the break, I mentioned about the Dick Johnson sale. Nathan Tinkler has announced that he is not going to go ahead with the uh, purchase of the team. He's uh, concentrating on other sporting ventures and is just going to follow motorsport as a fan, was the press release that he put out. Um, Grant, amazing that we have seen such a... Uh, well, such a division occurring in the championship leading team sort of reminds me of Formula One where they want the other driver to win in the uh, championship, not the uh, fellow who was leading the championship for most of the year. Yeah, interesting times. And I think a, 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 uh, the Dick Johnson Racing Team probably need a bit of a pat on the back being able to maintain uh, the performance of that number eight me. Uh, to keep it right up the very front while all this stuff has been going on behind the scenes. Um, there has been a bit of a division, as you say, within the team for a number of months. Uh, and I guess before Bathurst, it finally came to a head uh, with, with uh, Charlie confirming that he, Charlie Schwerkoff confirming that he wanted to get out of his part ownership within the team and that Dick had found his, uh, found a new saviour in Tinkler. And as it turns out now, Tinkler is has, uh, has pulled it up, so um, now I guess Dick needs to find a new uh, a new owner, and I believe that um, that might not be too far away. Maybe even by the time you uh, you're listening to this, have a new um, new partner to go with um, to go with his famous long-standing organisation, um, and for Charlie to go off and do his own thing. But look, still we've still got six very very important races for that team. Uh, and James Courtney has a 71-point uh, lead. He needs, to, um, he needs to hold on to that as best as he possibly can because uh, Jamie Winkup, is, uh, he's coming pretty fast at the moment. And, um, championship, not, in, in not too long we're going to be uh, seeing a new champion crown. And, Peter, that's critical, isn't it? Because uh, there was talk that if, Charlie, if Dick couldn't sell, Charlie got the rights to the 50% Dick owns. So Dick... He's in a in a very difficult position, and if Charlie doesn't leave, we believe that in James's contract he can't get out. Oh, it's fascinating the the combinations and permutations uh, that are at play with that one, and it's actually kind of sad because uh, Charlie and Dick both bring 
some very valuable things to that team. They've, they've got different strengths and weaknesses, but uh, as they've shown on track, working together it uh, is a very good combination. And uh, no doubt in the, the corporate world and the sponsorship world, working together, they can be very strong. Um, it's very unfortunate that uh, this stuff's getting in the way. And, and it's also interesting to think about uh, you know, how this stuff in the background can interfere with a race team. Uh, at, at the surface level, you think, well, it's a racing car. You, you bolt it together and the machine does the work. So uh, people worrying about um, you know, the security of the team and who's going to be in control and the politics of it all, it really shouldn't matter. You just bolt it together. A goes with B. But, of course, during the race weekend... There's a whole lot of uh, thinking and creativity and what setup's going to work and uh, should we try this, should we try that? And I think that's the area that is most vulnerable to, to politics and infighting is that people's minds aren't on the game in the same way and that's where you might see a few chinks in the armour. We haven't seen it yet and let's hope they can keep it together. But when the conversation comes down to what clothes Charlie's wearing, Grant, it sort of shows that the eye isn't on the ball. Oh, perhaps, but look, at this stage, you know, they've been faultless almost uh, in their application, Dick Johnson Racing and Courtney himself. Uh, look, I think Courtney is a, a absolute running through at heart, and um, while I'm sure he's, he's staying abreast of some of the politics within, um, you know, the commerce and the business, for him and for the key members within Dick Johnson Racing, um, their uh, focus is on... Um, on being right at the front there and look to their credit they've, they've been able to do it and I think regardless of what happens um, in the lead up to Simmons Plains or over the Simmons Plains weekend regarding the future uh, I can't see uh, uh, their key members there dropping the ball on the track they, they've, they've proved that they've, um, they've been able to do it so far and, and look, fingers crossed, uh, look, Jamie is absolutely coming like a steam train at the moment, so they can't afford to drop the ball. If they do drop the ball, championship's gone. Yep, and that is the critical point. We do need to just uh, touch on the fact that uh, reports and speculation this week that HRT want James Courtney. I'd have to say, Peter, what team up and down pit lane wouldn't want the uh, defending, ch- the potential defending championship on their uh, champion on their books? Oh, of course, he's very valuable property. Uh, coming with that, though, is a, a bit of a, a price tag. Um, I'm sure he doesn't come cheap, and that's the, the stuff that any team has to balance at any time they're looking for a driver is the uh, the cost versus the marketability and, and the performance that you're likely to get. It's tricky stuff, um, tricky in any kind of business. Mm. Well, Tassie, this weekend, as Grant's been pointing out, uh, and what's going to be the most critical part of the weekend, do you think, Grant? Is it going to be the weather? Is it going to be lap traffic? Or will it be soft tyres? Well, I think all of those will probably play a pretty big part. Sorry if I need to sit on the fence there, but if it rains, that's, um, if it rains or if it's cold, it's, it's, and which it looks like it's going to be both, uh, it's going to play its part. Uh, clearly, we've always had an issue with lap traffic, especially during the pit stop era of uh, of V8 supercar racing. So that will play its part, and and of course the soft tyre. Uh, one set of somewhat soft per uh, per race there for the two races over the weekend. Um, expect to see all of the teams complete the Saturday race all on the soft tyre. The, the Saturday's race is going to be 120k of full soft tyre racing. I can't see uh, the need to really use the hard tyres in that event. 
Um, so, yeah, lot, as you say, look, a lot of interesting little bits and pieces. A championship to keep an eye on. Politics off the track. I think it'll be a good one. It is indeed. And uh, I, I think the other critical thing will be with Saturday, you have the shootout, Peter. And last year we saw how the first man out on the track in cold conditions got the best time because his tyres were still warmest from the 20-minute 20, qualifying session before. And you know what's hilarious? That they moved it to November because the previous date was too cold. And here we are, we're still talking about the weather and whether it's going to be warm enough and whether tyres are going to retain their heat. Um, I, I love this part of the sport, the, uh, the, the lottery effect in some respects. Uh, what's the weather going to do? Where are you going to be in the order of things? Um, I think the, the soft tyres uh, add a fascinating element, and I hope that some people uh, uh, depart from Grant's prediction and they use the soft tyres in more imaginative ways and, and see if they can get a, a different strategy to shake things up again. Because uh, uh, looking at last year's results, we had a few people that sort of popped up from nowhere, uh, and I think that may uh, make, make life uh, interesting. Mm. Well, Gas and Go time. Gas and Go brought to you by VNX Magazine. Gas and Go is on now. Holden, well, it wins the manufacturer's title, Grant. Was there ever a chance they wouldn't? Well, with 20 cars or 19 versus 10, it uh, would have been a bit of a uh, embarrassment for them if they didn't. But, look, in the end, they absolutely cruised it. Uh, and Ford only taking six wins uh, this year. But, look, don't take anything away from Ford. They're still leading the championship at this stage. And uh, even Mark Winterbottom's right up there um, with a shout as well. So, um, look, I think in the uh, Manufacturers' Championship, I think really Team Vodafone are leading uh, Ford a second and Holden third. Gay, <laughs> okay, Peter. Um, yes, I, I think that uh, James Courtney and Mark Winterbottom have put on a good show, but the team's championship highlights that their teammates haven't quite been at the, the, the same level, uh, which really means you know two against the rest of the field. Uh, so, yes, it wasn't too much of a surprise. I guess the surprise was that Ford did as well as they have done. Mm. Now, safety concerns. We saw in the Formula One Jensen Button's uh, transportation being attacked. I guess if we're going to go on an international expansion, we need to be careful, Peter, about just where we end up. Well, uh, it's interesting that you ask me that question because of uh, you know, my, my tendency is to go a bit vigilante on, uh, on uh, you know, crime when we're travelling. And that's um, just in Parramatta. Yeah, that's just in Parramatta. You don't have to go internationally to strike trouble. Um, yeah, it's part of uh, travelling anywhere and, and anywhere where you know, there's major sporting events. That The crowds typically come from uh, uh, wealthier backgrounds and they make an uh, interesting target for the locals. I don't think it's anything special about Brazil. It's nothing special about motorsport. Oh, look, I couldn't agree more. Uh, got to uh, have your wits about you know when you're walking down the street to go buy your milk or uh, you know, whether you're walking through a foreign town. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with what Peter said anymore. Okay, Grant, will Sydney defy the second-year blues with a crowd increase? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I guess we'll, uh, the concert on Saturday night will play a big part in that and whether the Sydney people get behind the uh, Guns N' Roses uh, bands there. So that, that will play a big part. Look, I haven't heard too many negative reports about the, uh, about the race, so... Uh, I can't see any reason why the uh, race crowd figure won't improve, but whether the uh, concert figure uh, helps boost up the overall weekend uh, deal, then um, I guess we'll see. Peter? Um, to me, it's all about the concert. 
Um, I mean, the, the, the result about the crowd. It's all about the concert. And uh, whether you know, Guns N' Roses are going to be more attractive than uh, you know, Cold Chisel, we'll wait and see. Uh, I think that there were some casual race fans that went to Homebush last year who were perhaps a, a little bit disappointed with the grandstands and some of those things. Uh, it needs to be a real kick-ass concert to get them back, and hopefully they will come back because I understand there are improvements on the way. All right, then. Now, Triple Eight are going to take on the Matildas, the Australian Matildas soccer team, the Collingwood Magpies, the Australian Kookaburras hockey team, Queensland State of Origin team and St George Illawarra rugby league team in the Sun Herald Awards. Is this a true test of fan loyalty, Peter? Um, well, it's... I, I, I think it's hard to compare some of those uh, categories. Uh, if uh, Collingwood doesn't win, I think there's something wrong there because um, we know they've got an army of supporters. Um, yeah, it's chalk and cheese, hard to compare. Uh, yeah, look, I guess uh, the fans are the ones who get to decide uh, get to decide this. And um, if Team Vodafone win, look, motor racing has an incredible um, support base on the internet, a lot of passionate fans. But you know what? Uh, so does AFL and so does rugby league. So, um, yeah, all uh, all the motor racing people can do is, you know, get on there and, and vote for Team Vodafone, whether you're a, a Jamie Winkup, Craig Lowndes, Holden, Ford fan, whatever you are, I think you should get on there and, and uh, have a vote because it's more a vote for the sport rather than for the team, uh, I feel. All right, then. And, Grant, uh, finally, V8 Supercars become an internationally recognised series. What does that actually mean? Uh, I guess it means a couple of small things in regards to um, what V8s can do uh, with the amount of international races they can hold uh, and how the series gets looked upon by the FIA. Um, I think it's mainly come out through uh, Martin Whitaker's uh, uh, position now as CEO. Uh, it's certainly not a bad thing. It means it's not V8 Supercars Australia anymore. It's just V8 Supercars. Um, but, yeah, look, to be honest, I don't think it's really going to change the product that we have. Um, you know, if anything, we might be, uh, the, the sport might be viewed um, uh, with a little bit more favour but uh, on an international front. But, you know, other than that, won't change too much. Peter, any thoughts? Um, everything that Grant said, I, and I think the, the one potential weakness of a category stepping up to get international recognition is where the international rules uh, impose additional hassles on you. Uh, and rallying is a good example there where uh, an FIA status event has a whole different set of rules, particularly around safety. I don't think that's the case here because V8 Supercars already complies with uh, a lot of the FIA kind of safety standards in terms of harnesses and seats and uh, the driving suits, all of that. So I, I don't think there's any real downside. Um, it's whether there's any FIA meddling behind the scenes. But I think that's unlikely. Mm. Well, that's Gas and Go, brought to you by V8X Magazine for another week. Grant Rowley from Speed Cafe. Who's going to win it, Tassie? Uh, the winner, I think, will be Jamie Winkup. Too good, and uh, we'll go to stand down, and the him and Courtney will be very, very close on point. Mm. Unless this team orders, and then it'll be a no-brainer. <laughs> Peter, um, I think it's Courtney. He's uh, a proven performer on the soft tyres. It's really only if uh, on the other day, uh, whichever day that might turn out to be, uh, whether someone's a bit smarter with their tyres. 
All right, then. Well, guys, thanks for joining us. Up next, it's Mark Larkham talking about should there be a V8 Supercar Hall of Fame? I hope you'll stay with us. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lab, we catch up with Mark Larkham. And Larko talks about, well, is it time for a V8 Supercars to look at having a Hall of Fame where they can physically put the cars of the series, and the great cars of the series at that too, into a place where visitors can come and have a look and find out the stories of the racing category? Well, well, well I think... In the background, I, I, certainly that I think that mentality's certainly starting, and it's and it's great that you're talking about it now. Um, you know, I think we're getting into a period. You know, we're sort of what nearly 15 years into when the 15 years into what you would know as V8 supercars are today really really started. So, you know, I think the first cab off the rank is you'll start to see some of the cars from that era emerge in their in their liveries. And in fact, I've got one. I've kept my last Mitre 10 car. And certainly my intention over the longer term is to restore that back to exactly as it was. And I think as we see more of those cars from that era emerge, I think people will start to grasp a little bit more of that, that, that the heritage that is V8 supercars. And, 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 of course, we shouldn't then ignore for a minute that the real heritage of all of this goes back to the, you know, the 60s and 70s and those iconic cars, but that's a different group again. And each generation looks back at what they did when they were in the seat and look at the car now and go, how the hell did I survive that crash or how the hell did i even strap myself into it yeah when we look at the car of the future and what that's going to bring what what's your vision of that transition through your lifetime well you know it's a hard one you know because i can see the categories worked hard to achieve the car of the future concept i understand all the reasons why um hand on heart i i I just hope as a category doing the right thing i i kind of think we are but, but at the same time, I'm not ignorant of the whole success of this category has been born out of the blue versus red. And, 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 and I don't know if, you know, if, if that's, you know, I don't think for a sec that's dead and buried or over. Um, and, and look, I don't think we're going to get an influx of manufacturers overnight anyway. Um, but, you know, in the, in the same way that State of Origin survives on maroon versus blue, I, I still think there's a fair bit of kick left in the red versus blue concept. I guess finally, the model we're seeing is something that you did a spells probably about five years ago where we went to one component for one car, a, a, a tender system, which when you suggested it, you had the likes of Perkins and a whole bunch of group out there saying, no, 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 that's not the model. And it's sort of come round to your thinking of five, six years ago. Yeah, look, I just think it's a way forward for the category to contain cross... You know, what's really bizarre about this category, we spend all the money on the things that our fans don't know or care about. I mean, it really is. So as, a, as, a, as any business, you know, if you, you, you've got to listen to your customer. What do they want? And that's what we should be spending our energies on delivering. So the fact that, you know, there's 85 different designs of front wishbone down the pit lane that all really affect the same outcome or, or, or achieve the same outcome is a, 
is a, is a bit ridiculous. What we must be careful of, though, as we make the cars more controlled in their componentry, I think we also should open up other areas of the car to allow difference in performance. You know, and I think there's more, much more to be done there. And I've written about some of those things. And you know, be they they aero or be they how we go about the tyre thing. Or I've got some engine ideas with this new control camshaft. I think we can do things now to put some variability into the speed of the cars to make the racing better. And my thanks to Larco there, also to Rolly and Peter Norton. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders only on v8x.com.au.